0: Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. It's Christmas. As I mentioned, people are wearing their Christmas jumpers they come out of the loft. I love Christmas. I love all that happens around the Christmas time. Yesterday in our home, we put up the Christmas tree and well, when I say we put up the Christmas tree, I went and bought the Christmas tree. I mean, that counts for something, surely. I went and I bought the Christmas tree. I brought it home, and my wife Lottie and my youngest Mimi, they put the tree up together and decorated it, and made it look beautiful. And I just had the pleasure of putting the outdoor lights up outside our house. And can I just say, big announcement: it's the first time that I've ever put up the lights outside our house, and all the bulbs worked. That never happens, does it? All the bulbs work now. It's pretty limited display. We go for the much more the warm white, very neutral look on the outside of our house. We don't really like. Christmas lights on our house. We like them on other people's houses. We like to go and watch other people's houses who don't mind their electricity bill being extraordinary for the whole of December. And sometimes us as a family, I can tell you where the best streets to go. We go as a family and we go and tour around the neighbourhoods so and we find the house with the best uh, you know, kind of, you know, display on their walls. And sometimes there's even, there's even like competitions in certain roads where people are trying to outdo each other. We're probably not at that stage. But I love Christmas. I love the traditions. I love all the the food. I love the festivities. I love the the times we have at church where we celebrate in God together. I like we're going to do uh, on the 15th of December. I I love even our families when Lottie's family is a bit different to our family. Uh, She thinks mine's a bit weird. I think hers is a bit weird. We're both right. They are both a bit strange and we're the only normal ones absolutely. And so Christmas we all kind of have those strange traditions we all do. We participate in. I I love all those kind of things. Um, But when it comes to Christmas carols, I don't want you think of Christmas carols. These are Christmas songs that have been around for hundreds of years. And we sing them at Christmas and never for the rest of the year. Even though it's truth that survives 2,000 years, we only sing them at Christmas time. And I remember when I was younger, being very surprised, when I looked around and um, we were singing carols in the church. And, and people were holding their hands up and worshipping God to a Christmas carol. Oh, that's a bit strange. I mean, you know, we do that for normal songs, but for Christmas carols, they're like reserved, aren't they? They're like special. We sing them properly and, and we do them properly. But just imagine if you, if you started worshipping God to some of the Christmas carols out there. Think about words such as snow on snow on snow. It's a classic line from Good King Wenceslas. Imagine we sung that at church. Yeah, thank you, God. Snow <laughs> on snow. On snow, that'd be a moment, wouldn't he? Be like, this is mental. What's going on here? Or what about? Um, I know this one. We all want. We all. We all want. We all want some figgy pudding. Do we all want some figgy pudding? I've never even eaten figgy pudding. I don't really know what it is, but we all want figgy pudding. That's the song. That's how it goes. We don't really do that in church. Do we all. Oh, we all want. Oh, yes, God, give us figgy pudding. And we won't go until we got some. I mean, it's like an angry mob, isn't it? At your door. We ain't going until you give us some figgy pudding. And we're going we're to chain ourselves to the fence until you give us figgy pudding. We don't know what it is. I've never had it. And I still sing that song. We all want some figgy pudding. What about I saw three ships come sailing by on Christmas Day on the River Test? Doesn't really work, does it? Or oh, 12 days of Christmas. Does anyone actually put on their Amazon wish list for a partridge in a pear tree? I mean, I want five gold rings. That's always a great line. Lords are leaping. No one puts that on their list, do they? What a strange song, but probably the one that caps, or the one we've never used as a worship song as a Christmas carol, is one that 80% of its lyrics go like this. Pa-rum, pa-pum, pa. It was even in the charts back in the decades, and some of you remember the video, which ages you at that point. But there were these Christmas carols. We sing them every year. And this moment today, I want to talk to you about one carol, the one we just sung, O Come All Ye Faithful. This is one of the classics. This one is probably a legit carol. It's a good carol. It's the one we probably could worship to. Now, I've got a bit of a secret to share with you. I'm, I do some very strange things when it comes to carol season and my children will know this, but when I sing carols, I start to sing a bit more posh. I don't know if you do this. I kind of think I'm in the choir. I think I'm in the abbey, and I'm in the choir stalls, and I start to sing in a sort of more posh accent than I normally would do. And I kind of sort of sing a bit more high pitched as well. And especially with this song, I love that we all whisper, Come, let us. And then we kind of, the next song, "Oh, come. And then the last one it has to be like you're on the football terrace and you're shouting, Oh, come, let And I, I love that. And I, my, my family's sort of like, Oh, Dad, really? And they sort of try and back away slowly. But then my favourite verse and this whole carol is the third verse, sing choirs of angels, because I really think I can sing and I think I'm in a choir and I think I can sing the descant to this. The truth is, I can't. In case you're wondering and my family will tell you, I can't, but I love to think that I can and so I always give it a good go. And I hear a few high notes. They're the wrong high notes, but there are some high notes. And I join in and I celebrate this kind of moment while my children rolling their eyes and sort of looking for the fire exit or something. And, and I, I love that kind of coward, the energy and enthusiasm and passion about us saying we want to adore our God. But if you look at those lines, O oh, come all ye faithful... Especially that first line. It, this song was written uh, by, um, well, who knows what the Latin, you can't speak out, at this point. Who knows what the original title was? Another little guess, guessing game for you all, know. Wow, that's impressive. That is impressive. Yes, it's written in Latin, all right? That is uh, Yolanda's uh, first language, uh, Latin. And, <laughs> and it was written by the 18th century hymnist. You'll know him, he's famous, John Francis Wade. But eventually it was translated to English by Frederick Oakley in 1841, according to Wikipedia, so it must be true. And now there are eight verses. Yes, there are eight verses available to you. We tend to sing three, four on Christmas Day, Uh, but if you really get bored or maybe you've got a very short preach to do, you can have eight verses and keep everyone singing for ages and ages. But look at the opening line, Come all those who are faithful, come all you faithful, joyful and triumphant. I wonder if at Christmas time, right now, as we enter into December, whether you feel faithful, joyful and triumphant. Because if you are, you're invited in. Oh come all those that are faithful, all those that are joyful, all those that are triumphant. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes at Christmas people feel almost exactly the opposite. They feel doubtful, distressed, defeated. Someone's Christmas feels so busy and such hard work. That we don't feel faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Maybe for you this year, you have seen people breaking their faith. Maybe you've seen relationships that have fallen down. You've been disappointed by friends. Maybe by your husband or your wife or by your work colleagues or bosses. And things have been frustrating. Or maybe for you, you're feeling like a loss of joy right now. You think, I'm not feeling very joyful. I mean, the worst bit for me about Christmas is Christmas shopping. Christmas shopping steals my joy every single time. Thank you God for inventing the internet. It's the best way for blokes to shop. Online, Black Friday, half past 11 at night, it's very quiet. And no one is banging into you with buggies and bags or anything. There's nothing worse than being after a long day of shopping. You're in the queue, aren't you? And you're at that till. And your line is going slower than everyone else's line. Because the person in front of you keeps changing their mind. They haven't got the right money or whatever it might be. And you're like, oh, come on. I just want to get home. And Christmas shopping can steal our joy. Maybe there are other things that steal your joy at Christmas time. And maybe you don't feel very triumphant. Some of the plans we had at the beginning of 2019, we set ourselves targets and goals of what we were going to achieve and we feel like we haven't really won. We haven't really achieved what we said we would. We haven't been successful. Maybe our finances are not where they should be. Our work situation is not where we'd like it to be. Our family relationships aren't where they could be. And we are ending the year going, oh, I don't feel like I'm winning. I don't feel like I am triumphant. I don't think I can sing this song. But the good news is, I've got some good news, don't worry. I've got some good news for you today. That this is not the people that Jesus calls. Jesus doesn't call those who are faithful, joyful and triumphant. He doesn't call those who are winning at life. He doesn't call those who are successful and say, come to me. Jesus says, if we look at Matthew 11, he says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest for your soul. He calls the weary and the burden. He says, those of you who are feeling weighed down, who are disappointed, come to me. I'm not just gonna give you a good holiday and a good break. I'm gonna give you a spiritual rest. I'm gonna look after the very inner thing that makes you who you are, your soul. And I'm gonna care for you. I'm gonna provide for you. He also calls, in Matthew nine, he calls for the sinners and the sick. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus' interested not those who are successful, but those who are broken. Those who are struggling in life. Those who are not um, where they maybe could be. That they're weary and burdened. They feel like they're, they're unhealthy. They're not fully together. That they are, they are sinners. They've made mistakes. The good news is that Jesus calls all of those sort of people. Maybe the song should start, O come all ye sinners, weak and weary. It's not a great line, is it, for a carol? But probably more honest. But the great news, that's good news, but even the greater news is that Jesus invites all of us to participate, but he doesn't leave us where we are. You may feel burdened. You may feel weak. You may feel that your joy has been taken from you. But Jesus doesn't leave you there. He doesn't say, that's fine. I'm just going to accept you as you are. And I won't bring anything to change you who you are. I'll leave you that way. Jesus loves us so much that he says this. Or this is what Paul says about him in 2 Corinthians. He says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. If you choose to follow Jesus, everything changes. The old way of doing things shifts, and suddenly you become alive and you're new and you're fresh in him. Jesus changes us. Jesus helps us to become different. He doesn't call us because we are faithful, because we are joyful, because we are triumphant. Jesus calls us as we are, as who we are, but he wants to help us become those things. He doesn't want us to accept that we are just disappointed. He wants to go, no, there's more to life than what you're experiencing right now. Jesus wants to help us become more faithful, to become more faithful, to focus our attention on him. Hebrews 12 says these words, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If you are not feeling full of faith right now, then I want to say to you, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the one that will fill you up with faith. He will fill you up and he will perfect that faith. He will give you all you need. You think, well, how do I, how do I get faith? How do I experience faith? How does faith grow in me? Romans 10 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. If you want your faith to rise, I encourage you to open up the Bible. To start to read, to discover what God is saying. There's a Bible reading plan that comes with this uh, carol series we're doing at the moment, which you can find on UVersion, which is an app, or online. And um, get hold of that and do a daily reading every day between now and Christmas and lift your faith because faith comes through hearing. I know for many people right now, they're focusing on some challenging times. Christmas is often the time we pause and we look back and we remember those who are no longer with us. People we have lost, I'm aware of people in the last few days have lost loved ones. And Christmas can be a difficult time, a challenging time. And sometimes you can think, I don't feel very full of faith. I feel I'm uncertain of the future. I'm feeling a sense of loss, a sense of challenge. Isaiah 43 says these amazing words. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. They're good words. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Jesus saves us. He rescues us. He takes us from where we used to be and transform us, us into where He wants us to become, and that's what's happening here. We're becoming more faithful and more joyful. Secondly, Jesus helps us become more joyful. The, I think, you know, I think churches should be the place where the most joy takes place. You know, somebody once said famously, he said, you know, I think it was Abraham Lincoln. He said, if everyone who went to church was laid end to end, they'd be a lot more comfortable. And there's this impression that church is a place you go to get bored. Church to go, you a you know, place you go to to kind of sit quietly and have no experience whatsoever. It should be the place of the most excitement, the most joy. It should be the fun place to be. Amen. Yes. Okay, we just proved our own theory there. Now that one. It was a lovely moment on our trip away. We had this lady from another group uh, in the same hotel as us. She came and she spoke to some members of our group. And she said, you know, she said, I wish I could be in your group it looks so much more fun. and I was glad she said that because I looked at their group and I went, yeah, I can see that because theirs wasn't so much fun. And the reason I think ours was more fun is because Judith took us on sort of social expeditions every evening down to the, the bars in Jerusalem and the markets all over the place. And I think the whole city of Jerusalem knew that Freedom Church had been there. Um, so there was yeah, Judith Neal with his laminated map and his, his torch that got us from A to B. We brought fun to the party. You know, The truth is, if if Jesus was there, where would Jesus be? Jesus would be where the fun was taking place. Jesus would be at the place of joy. Jesus was the one that was accused of, of partying too much, of having too much fun, of enjoying people's company, of people who maybe you shouldn't be spending time with. There should be more joy in the church because we should be reflecting God better. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 said, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Number two on the list is joy. Straight after love comes joy. and Joy is the fruit of a right relationship with God. It's a natural thing. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it will come out of you. You can't force joy to be there. You can't fake it to make it. You have to just be, go, this is who I am. It's in me. In the same way an apple tree that is planted produces apples. It doesn't have to try harder. I'm going to really work hard today at producing an apple. It doesn't happen that way. What takes place is is you put an apple tree in a good environment, good soil, good weather, rain, sunshine, it will produce healthy fruit. In the same way, if you put yourself in good environment, if you surround yourself with godly people and fill yourself with the Holy Spirit and you pray to God on a regular basis, read the word of God so your faith comes alive, you will naturally produce spiritual fruit. That's what will happen. It will, you almost you won't even know it happens. It will just fall out of you. It will just happen. It will become part of you. People will notice the difference in your life. They'll see you are different because of what, the way you operate. Not because you're pretending to be something, because it's deep within you. And You might say, yeah, but I don't feel very joyful. I don't feel very happy. You know, happiness isn't about an attitude. Happiness is what happens to you. It affects your well-being. But joy lives inside of you. Jesus is the source of joy. The Holy Spirit is where we get our joy from. Joy and happiness are different things. Joy is a choice based on what your life is on. And you choose to follow Jesus. You choose to walk his ways. It will bring joy. In Luke chapter 2, we hear about the shepherds having a visitation from the angels. And we were there just to, literally a week ago, standing in what they call shepherd's field, um, just down from Bethlehem. And we were there. We did, they gave our best rendition of, of while, west, while Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Night. I always be careful, I don't say wash their socks by night. So there's a boyhood issue I had there. But yeah, there we go. We sang the song. We gave it our best efforts. It wasn't great, but we gave it a go. And we were on this shepherd's hill. And I'm just imagining what it'd be like to have the angels Appearing to you in their throng. I mean, wow. And what does it say in Luke chapter 2? It says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. The message from the angels was that there is somebody born that's going to bring great joy. Not okay joy or a bit of joy. But someone who's going to bring great joy to all people. The source of that joy? Baby Jesus. Jesus gives us joy. Jesus helps us to become more joyful. Faithful, joyful. and You see where this is going now. Number three, Jesus helps us become more triumphant. When I was younger, I regularly played rugby. I enjoy playing rugby. I know some of you look at me now as going, seriously, did that ever really work? I used to play rugby. I was quite good when I was younger. And last year, I thought to myself, midlife crisis, I thought, you know, I, I think I could still play rugby. I think I've still got this going on. I think I can join a team and I could, I could, I've still got the skills. And so I joined Romsey Rugby Club. And uh, w- within less than 10 minutes, I was at the A&E, uh, suffering with a broken nose and a big black eye uh, for my first effort of playing rugby. But I, I, I love playing rugby and I went back and I played a few more games and I'm, I'm still nursing a few injuries from some of those. But here's the thing about rugby, and if you've ever played it, you'll know how this works. When you play rugby, you come out on the pitch with your team and you assess the opposition. And you don't look at them and go, I wonder, he looks quite skillful. That person, they've, they've won a lot of games recently, or you know, they've got a nice outfit they're wearing. None of those things matter. You look at the very sheer size of the people you're facing, and you look at them go, oh, they're a bit big. And then here's what I do: I then look at the people on my team. Oh, it's okay. I've got so-and-so, he's on my team. I've got this person, he's on my team, they're big guys. I can always hide behind them and they can take the big tackles. It'll be okay. And There's something about knowing you've got the biggest person on your team that makes you feel more, oh, it's going to be okay. Because here's the thing, if someone who is much more experienced than you has got your back, Someone who is stronger than you, who is more, um, has more ability than you, is with you. You can feel more triumphant, more confident, more, this is going to be all right. It's going to work out because I know I've got somebody else with me who knows what they're doing. And here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you have that. You have Jesus in your corner. You have Jesus by your side. He is with you. You may not feel triumphant. You may not feel like you're winning, but you are on the winning side. You have a winning person with you. What does it say in Isaiah chapter 9? Isaiah was a prophet who foretold, he spoke about the future. And he said, here's what's going to happen in years to come. And he talked about Jesus and his birth. He said these famous words, we read them at Christmas time. For to us, a child is born and the government will be on his shoulders. For us, a child is born. For us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He's going to carry all the responsibility. That's good, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it's all right. That would be helpful. Uh, it's going to be, it's, the government's on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's a lineup of names right there. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus, the baby, has been ordained with all those attributes. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus is on our side and he is for us and he is with us. And we are winning, not because we feel like it, because Jesus is in our team. When it comes to Christmas time, you look at that beautiful image of Jesus in a manger with crisp, bright yellow straw that's dry and there's no animal food anywhere to be seen or animals that are a bit smelly or dirty. A beautiful image of baby Jesus born in a manger. Remind yourself that that baby isn't just a baby Jesus, that that baby is the king of kings, that that baby is the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Nothing comes into being without him speaking it into existence. He has been chosen to save us from our sins. That baby, he's the Prince of Peace, the the Bread of Life, uh, the Light of the World. Not just a little glowing halo, he transforms and changes the world that you live in. He's the saviour. He's the lifter of our head. He is born the king of angels. We come to adore him because he is Christ the Lord. He's not just baby Jesus. He is Christ the Lord, the Lord of lords. He is a name above every name. His name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. This Christmas time we can choose to declare how we feel Or we can declare what we are becoming, faithful, joyful, triumphant. O come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Come, O come, to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord.